you know how hardcore some hipsters can be. You got uh, deconstructed coffee in Melbourne. You got some hipsters using Nokia 3110s just for the sake of it. And I wrote a story last year about Bonnevere, who was having a listening party in a Melbourne laneway of all places. But of course, they had to use a cassette tape in a boombox just for the effect. And much of this comes down to this idea that it's a more authentic experience. Now, one thing I've noticed uh, creeping into academia is this idea that there is actually academic hipsters as well. It's this idea that you should be using command line on Linux, uh, using R or Python for your analysis, and using LaTeX for writing your manuscripts. And in this scenario, the worst thing that you can do is use a Mac Use SPSS for your analysis and write your manuscript in Word. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. Now, James, before I want to get started with this episode, I just want to play you a little snippet from episode 29. I don't know if you remember this far back, but uh, I just... No. You don't? I don't remember last Tuesday. <laughs> no, nope. oh, it's episode 29. Dan, is it for people who are listening who don't understand the dynamic of this, um, I yell for somewhere between 45 and 60 minutes and it all disappears into the magic of the internet into and the then tubes. reappears into an edited podcast. Yes, yes. So I, I yell into the tubes and then it goes away and comes back again. So, yeah, look, I I, I remember it about as well as I remember War and Peace <laughs> or my primary school days. It's it's a vague memory. Uh, Let, let's, what are uh, we doing with it? Let's, let's play it. Well, this is like there's two. You know I'm more of a fan of writing to people in detail to have detailed discussions. But if you don't know something's a problem, if you don't know the discussion should be had, how mm. should you be exposed to a community full of people who are having a conversation that exists outside of you? And the answer, of course, is the Twitters. The Twitters. As much yeah. as it's the cancer of the soul, you know, it's handy in other contexts. Now, <laughs> the nice part, the nice part about the Twitters is that if you're me... Uh, and you don't use it except to stop people from stealing your identity. <laughs> I can go. I can go to your Twitter. I can look at what's happening. I have absolutely no need to participate in some of it because it makes me want to saw my own feet off. But that's fine. Well, you smug foreign <laughs> bastard, listeners! It has been seven years <laughs> for me. Trying to convince your co-host, James Heathers, to jump on the Twitters. And as of this week, James is on Twitter. I tell you, there was people, the fans were excited. A lot of people were like, yes, finally it's happened. So, James, there's been there's been a turnaround. Explain. I can't... The, the, the tipping point was realizing that I could very carefully curate what I did and didn't have to see. And a lot of people that I'm aware of who work in 
meta science and data science and statistics. Uh, a lot of I think there is a culture of openness around these topics, and people who like that have adopted Twitter as a platform because it fits with how they think about how work should be done, I suppose. So I was noticing more and more people whose work I find interesting, whose blogs I read, whose columns I read, who I've heard of. Um, There's a little community of people and specifically while I'm working on something, as I'm working on the, the, the big brother of Grimm right now, which is a technique called Sprite, which we won't go into today because everyone's probably heard far too much about it in the last little while. Um, in the context of developing that, I really couldn't do it by myself. Um, obviously, I've, I've people people that I work with, but I wanted to have a broader discussion about it with people who are much better than me at statistical stuff in general I suppose and like I was saying before I I read something about how carefully it can be curated now I'll tell you I'll say two more things Mm. about that and then we can get back into a normal show Uh, one uh, it so far has been I've I've only wanted to self-harm maybe twice um, the process so far, which is much better than I thought I'd do. And there have been, I've had a number, I've had about six or seven good conversations with people I'd never talked about before. Um, Twitter, in many ways, seems like a, a platform for accessing Twitter instant messages, which is a, <laughs> a lot better if you're like restricting yourself to 140 characters, means you have to creatively edit the English language into some kind of online pigeon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's been good. But I, I made the mistake a few times of clicking on something on the sidebar or a hashtag. Yeah. Oh, I um, don't want to do that. And the, the sewage of the world pours in yeah uh, uh, strange I mean like people I agree with people that I don't agree with but strange venal angry weird looking people roam the landscape gobbing off about things they couldn't possibly understand and generally making complete cocks of themselves and that was every bit as ridiculous and unpleasant as I was expecting mm-hmm. so I've learned to, like, I had to, I added a few people and then they would, they would, you know, hang on, what, how how do I do this? How do I get rid of him? Um, It's easy. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not a Luddite. It's just, I'm (laughs) learning the function. I've had Twitter for like five and a half years. It'll be a week this Friday. I have sent about a hundred twats, twants, twits, tweets. Tweets, yeah. Tweets, right. I, I like the um, portmanteau tweeple. That's that's funny. I like a I like a good uh, combo play word. Mm. Um, can't play it in Scrabble, <laughs> which is a shame. Look, overall, overall, it's been worthwhile. Um, it's also it makes it easy to keep track of. If people curate their own broader writing, there, it makes it easy to keep track as, of that as well. Because mm. if you only have a certain number of people, I think that everything they say turns up 
Yeah, so, so if you only have 50, 100, 150 people on it, then everything that they say... It's not like Facebook has a curation algorithm that it drives me nuts. And if you have several hundred people um, and then another... I've 1,500 people on my writing Facebook and 700 and something on my personal. And there's no... It's like trying to drink from a fire hose, keeping up with what's going on. And it's people that I like, people that I'm interested in. I mean, <laughs> I've unfollowed half of the people on my personal Facebook because they, they'll write something about a sandwich and then I'll think, well, that's... You know, <laughs> our functional relationship is over. Um, but, you know... And that is a good thing Look, about over overall. I've it's it, I've, I'm I'm uneasy with how normal it's become mm. because uh, I think. Look, I know you like to be positive about things, but I think in some ways there were people who were waiting to have conversations about some of the stuff I want to talk about. So that's. Mm heartening i suppose mm. yeah and I, I think there's a really strong i did i did i did look over so far so far it's been fine and the level of control you have over what you're going to do is is good mm. so i i enjoy that um i thought hashtags would be a bigger thing but mainly people just talk to each other there's no sort of there, collective grandstanding. There is a little bit. So I think some handy hashtags occasionally um, um, ERC chat, early career researcher chat. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, PhD chat also can be useful. Um, and the RStats hashtag is also very cool. So if you don't know, if you don't know how to do a thing oh, on, R, on R, just ask the question, add the RStats. Uh, <laughs> I, saw, I saw a joke online that if you want to get someone to do your RStats function, just put it out there on Twitter. Uh, oh, this is impossible in R. And then you'll have about 50 people go, no, it's not. Here's the answer. <laughs> so, it, uh, it's like the Italian guy in prison who uh, wants to dig the garden for his, his old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, right. it's a great way of doing it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, pe- people do use the hashtags as well. Most of it's rubbish, but occasionally there are some some useful hashtags. So if you do want to, if you aren't following mm. James already, uh, he, your username is James Heathers. Isn't it? Yes, yeah. it has been since uh, I got my Twitter account. I believe in two thousand and eleven. Yeah. So go ahead. Um, and, uh... Even and th- even that was a a stretch, <laughs> which is uh, it sat fallow for five. If you're not familiar with it yet, I've not used it for five and a half years after having it, just in case someone stole it and pretended to be me. Yeah, that's and it's then a great some, idea. And then and then and then said something excellent, like uh, I enjoy the fine eighty stylings of Kenny Loggins <laughs> and then I'd have to hunt them down, global location be damned and saw their feet off. Well, I, I do exactly so, the, I do exactly the same thing with the username. Hmm. P- pretty much any service that pops up, even if I'm not interested, and it, it might sort of be a thing. Yes. I just get the username. But um, we're actually going to hop into a new segment. I don't know whether this is going to be a regular thing or a one-off. Um, but uh, this is. Oh, I think it's. Uh, I think it's. We, we're going to have to do. A, we're going to have to do a few of these. We'll, we'll do a few. Um, and uh, it, well, would you like to introduce it, Daniel? I'll introduce it. Uh, this segment is called the Two Minutes Hate. Well, I hope everyone gets the reference. Do you get the reference, Daniel? It is from the all. 1984 yes uh, which is very relevant top seller on Amazon now yes uh, also I mean, has been available free for many many years on the internet so you're a bit of a div if you buy a copy just to make a point I mean you can actually read it for nothing 
Um, I would also recommend reading everything else he wrote. Um, there's a particularly good, uh, particularly good story called Shooting an Elephant that um, I've always thought well, his, his advice for writers is excellent. Uh, most of the collected short stories um, are excellent as well. Mm, uh, I've a great. tremendous envy of the guy's style, so I will rip him off for references at every possible opportunity. Um, however, this is sometimes it's very difficult to introduce things that annoy you <laughs> unless and they're wordy and you feel the need to do it very fast so i tried to compress an opinion that i have about something that's reasonably developed into just two minutes no no more or less really than two minutes and uh i should emphasize this is not edited i have not changed this or fiddled with it this is just as it comes out um, and it's primarily because it amuses me, <laughs> but it also, it's a, it's a very quick introduction to a topic and the topic this week is, what would you say the topic is? It is, uh, PIs ripping off the underlings. That's yeah. I don't have any strong opinions on that. So let's go, <laughs> uh, with our very first ever <laughs> two minutes hate. Recently, there was a case of something which I find particularly distasteful. A senior author of a scientific paper, in having work retracted, blamed a junior author and graduate student involved in the project for mistakes. The only problem was this was someone who wasn't on the actual paper itself. They weren't listed as an author in the first place. This is something I find particularly irritating and disingenuous for one reason. We live in a world where senior authors insert themselves at all levels and at all angles into work they are only peripherally involved in. Obviously, there's some kind of case to be made that the person who earns the grants and keeps the lights on and sets the research agenda is contributing to the research process. Fine. But what is both common and goes a lot further than that is the fact that senior authors claiming attribution for projects they are only peripherally involved in, having minimal contributions to, or just like the look of. And the kind of pressure and bullying to append their names to projects by authors who are not in a position to defend themselves. Naturally, of course, they often feel free to leave authors off papers or threaten to in order to maintain compliance. Think about it this way. Do you know any senior academics who will append their name to anything longer than the instructions on the back of a packet of matches if it gives them the opportunity to publish? You do and so do I. This becomes a massive own goal, of course, when someone who gives them an opportunity to append their name to something gives them bad, fraudulent, or demonstrably incorrect data. But in this environment, when this happens, the author in question feels justified in publishing something under their own name that they then get to claim no responsibility for. In other words, after not doing the fucking work or writing the fucking paper, they get to claim ownership of it, but if something goes wrong, they feel justified in washing their hands of it completely. If this case becomes acceptable, then there is simply no accountability or meaning to being an author of anything at all. It's revealing of a culture where junior people can simply turn up with a big bag of data and get someone else to brand it appropriately. To this author, I would simply say, own your mistake, and if you don't take responsibility for things you publish under your own name, how seriously do you expect people to take the rest of your work if you've actually read it, that is. That guy's a prick. Now, this was an egregious case. I I, I just couldn't believe... (laughs) I couldn't believe this story. Like... And, and and this is re- this is really bad on uh, on two levels. I mean, first you have the the common problem of senior authors not giving credit to junior authors on a paper. Now we we hear stories of this uh, all the time, but then yeah, to, to have- is, and that's not even not even just like oh we hear stories. It's like on the internet or from people that we I've been personally involved with 
not people who've i mean i'm not really um the shy and retiring type so i think i've probably had less personal conflict with this than other people but i know Mm. an awful lot of people personally who've been in this situation one way or another and then obviously infinitely not even a thing when it comes to the internet if you're a senior pi person uh who by some dent of uh complete accident is listening to this your junior people talk about you and if you're a prick they are repeating that opinion to each other uh, loudly and sharpening their knives no no not the knife part but they are talking about you if you're awful so this is so common but what was what was awful in this case was (laughs) they find data anomalies in a paper and then for the senior author Mm -hmm. to go Oh, you know what? It was actually the person that um, that I didn't give credit to. It was their fault. They were the ones who jimmied up the data, and it's their fault. And and the the, the worst thing is, you know, if, if this if this person that was actually contributing to the data, um, for them to actually know in which way to 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 gussy the data up, then obviously they had a very very good understanding of the experiment. They weren't just some someone some hired hand coming in you know, changing a few things here and there. They were deeply, deeply involved in the experiment in order for them to change it to look favorable. So it's just Good point. Oh man, like I just it's just crazy. And just to go, nah, sorry, you know, I'm gonna take all the credit but when things go wrong, it is not my fault. What a what a horrible situation. Wow, you just sounded really English there for a second. What a horrible situation, Mrs. <laughs> it is. It's just well, tell the girls to get out of the conservatory. It's an emergency. <laughs> yes, it is a horrible situation, Daniel. Um, it's it's more sort of a <laughs> the 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 idea that something if it's my my paper Heather's twenty fourteen, if that's wrong. After after all the things you sign during the publication process, did you actually write this? Yes. Did anyone else tell you to write this? <laughs> Do you have anything else in your carry-on luggage, etc., etc.? You fill out all the terms and conditions. You get right to the end of that, and then you get bad data from someone closely involved enough in the process to give you bad data in the first place. Yeah. And your response to the thing that you've published under your own name is, oh, oh no, I was I was misled by a non-author. By the not- Go by the goat- fuck yourself. I, I Come wonder. On. I wonder whether this is actually this guy wants it both ways more often than Dennis Rodman. <laughs> I wonder whether, whether there's actually going to um, this is going to start a trend of people blaming the oh it wasn't me it was the person that wasn't on the paper the person who wasn't on the, yeah the, the yeah. responsibility rests for someone who didn't technically write it well great job with that yeah yeah so, look if that's a, if there's a trend waiting to happen there then i think it's going to get stamped on very hard by people who find that as unacceptable as we do hmm. it's a it's a it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous situation it's essentially saying that um What's you know what's like we start off with like what's what's mine is mine what's yours is mine and they go unless 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 it's awful in which case my stuff is yours yeah <laughs> it, it's it's yeah, kind of so like would you, um, do you have any do you have any objections do you have any objections to anything I just said there not, not I mean, at all look obviously I'm I'm in a, a state of usually a state of annoyance when I write something like that um. I know I have a tendency to go too far, 
because mm. it's fun. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, look, I don't, I don't think, think I've, I've, I'm capable of being far more unreasonable than that. It's a it's a really strange. I don't know if there've been any equivalent situations. I, I can think of one that's vaguely equivalent. Um, and one, of course, that's not is when I think of the the the. You remember the the Skip Lacour guy with the the changing the opinions, the gay marriage paper, and he went to the, uh, a very senior academic in his area whose name was Donald Green, and he said, "I've got this great data. Will you help me publish it?" And then they went yeah, through it, and it sounds like he that. actually a, a guy that was that senior did his due diligence, and then it all fell apart. Um, and. He just, he told the story of how it happened. He said what he'd been involved in. He regretted the fact that he hadn't checked it more carefully. The whole thing was retracted, but he never said, it's not my fault. Mm. I mean, obviously, to be to be an equivalent situation, you'd have to keep the dude off his own yeah, fraudulent yeah, yeah. data paper. <laughs> that's, that's just unusual. God damn, Dan! It was yeah. Well, this it's got my it's got my blood pressure up the other day, and I'm yeah. glad to see you you you're using the most strident Daniel language possible and describing it as reprehensible. It's reprehensible. Or a little <laughs> a little bit off color. Nah, uh, it's, he's uh, much nasty. He's much nastier in private. Him and his his private persona. It's I uh, can reliably assure everyone. Yeah, much nastier in private. It, it it all depends when the when the podcast is. We still have to do um you know everything hurts after dark. I've had, I've had a few requests oh. for that. Um, the, what's the, that? The the late night edition where it's just uh glove gloves are off. Oh right, okay. I'm not really very gloved at present. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else I can take off. Maybe I should do it without any pants. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do that one day. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, I've done it, that plenty of times. You only, <laughs> you only, you only see me from the sternum up in this. Yeah, just, just like a news, just time. like a news reporter wearing the wearing the ball shorts <laughs> under the uh, under the sport jacket. Yeah, for sure. Formal, formal from the hips up. Just like a mullet. Party exactly. down the party down the back. Exactly. Exactly. Everything hurts. Mullet edition. Be, before we you go, man. Before we take a quick break, I just want to ask you now, James. Where do you get your science? information news from because oh I, shit um, I, I saw I've this got um, a huge stack of bookmarks why i saw this uh this infographic floating around the the internet of um of of places to actually get reliable um science oh journalism yes i from. believe i believe i've already been rude about this today is now i'm a i'm a connected person who owns the twitters um i believe i've already been rude about this um, maybe half an hour or so ago. It's something published by... It's oh, the American a, Council a... on Science and Health. Yes. Now, you know who they are, right? I, I've, I've, who are they? I've, I actually have not heard of them. Yeah. Um, they're not really regarded as a council as much as a loosely connected corporate affiliate group of goons um i don't know anything about real clear science but um the acsh there's yeah look look them up it's not it's not a simple matter of 
it's not a simple matter of uh, a series of concerned Americans got together to make a, a, a council on science and health. Anything with a name like that, assume assume that uh, some some rich billionaire who who made money in uh, in corn or or flaying the skins from orphans provided the seed money for anything that sounds that official. Well, well, um, what did I say? But here it is. Uh, sorry, I still have difficulty working the Twitter. Um, yes, we'll, we'll uh, post an what image. in the fresh? What in the fresh hot fuck is supposed to be so mixed about the conversation? As they put the conversation, where well, I've written a dozen pieces at some point in time, in the mixed record, and is the science content compelling enough to read? This is a thing, of course, where scientists and other academics are writing content about the things that they understand. So the climatology stuff is written by a climatologist the exercise science stuff is written by an exercise scientist the biology stuff is written by a biologist they had an excellent column in the australian one for years and years it was about pharmacology uh, by a guy called ian musgrave which was easily one of the best uh, recurring columns that was about science related stuff he's an excellent writer and he chose really really good topics um so the idea of that they have but according to this infographic uh, by the american council of shitheads and charlatans um <laughs> is 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 it's it's half compelling and half driven by evidence it's it's just so weird um, like the, the only thing I, I agree with in this infographic is the bottom right is the pure garbage category and they got that spot on you have the food yeah, you have the food babe which I, i've seen i think you've written about the food babe have you I've seen no, you. Look, I I haven't because that's uh there's lots of things that I don't write about uh, I don't write much about alternative medicine. Uh, I don't write much about new atheism. Uh, I don't write much about the, the 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 whole food babe area of the world for a couple of reasons. Um, I find a lot of that stuff really dreadfully boring. I'm not really into the. Uh, look, plenty of people are out there, though, and they, they feel like they're they're fighting the good fight, but a lot of it's cheerleading, mm. frankly. I'm not much one for oh look uh, and and she said a thing and she's terrible oh look at her good teeth and her bad opinions um yeah great okay i mean it's just it, you could just you could just make every single article like moron is still a moron news at 10 uh, it's there's nothing there's nothing there for me but yeah look all, all that stuff is rubbish and she is a uh it's 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 just a, it's a, it's the same thing as more or less everyone else in exercise nutrition <laughs> health but she's it's... got a, a series of opinions that she partially understands to make money and she's more she has an angle and the angle is everything is full of chemicals which is obviously with the the a first grade knowledge of organic chemistry <laughs> is is laughable to the point of like falling off your chair um it's it's shite Obviously, it's all shot, and, and Joe McColl is down there, and so is Natural News, and the guy from Natural News. Obviously, I'm not even sure he's a person. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, the stuff that he writes is so incoherent. I'm not sure he has a central nervous system. <laughs> it's, it's some wild stuff there. But what, what's really weird is that there are so many things. Like, yeah, you, you'll see the graph. You'll see the, the, the figure for yourself. But they've got uh, five thirty-eight as not usually compelling content which is crazy because it probably has one of the the most compelling uh, content because all their stuff is so data driven it's incredible and then you have the conversation with a mixed record um and and all all these other really that really annoyed me because i mean they're going out of it's a whole thing you get to get all this money 
um, to try and make something where they're, they're the single outlet that in all of that that is trying to bridge a knowledge gap. Mm. The vast majority of everything else there, even the columns that are in uh, New Scientist, Scientist, Nature, are written by science writers. The stuff at the conversation, if it's about science at least, is written by scientists. And I know a lot of science writers who do great stuff, and there's still a difference. Mm. There's still a difference. The way the conversation handles it, the, the, the way the actual guts of that work. Um, if you're me and you want to write about a particular topic and you pitch something to an editor, a lot of the time they go, I don't think that's very interesting, or, okay, that seems like a reasonably good idea. There is an online portal that has an automatic Hemingway checker. It's brilliant. They have, a, they have a very clear style that they want. Um, I have When I do writing more generally, obviously this is normally something that a copy editor would do. Um, or sometimes you have an editor that's more senior than that that's going, uh, how do we focus this specifically because we want it to be within a particular milieu, etc., etc. But um, the software largely does the job of copy editing. And I say after the first maybe two conversation articles many years ago that you immediately get the hang of keeping things clipped and straightforward and informative. Um but the topics are quite heavily curated. Um, editors will tell you for angles of which to look for and what you actually need to do. But it's fine. But you're the scientist. As, as much as they don't, as much as they don't pay you, the nice thing about it is, if it's something that you know well, and someone says write six hundred words on this, it is not a long process. I've written plenty of these articles by sitting down at nine in the morning. Yeah. And then standing up at 10.40 and sending someone an email going, it's done. It's not painful or problematic. And you put all that effort into it and you have a, a system that works that well. And the little the, the, the online check-in module that's surprisingly uh, surprisingly good for what it is. It's not perfect, but it's, it's pretty good. And oh. um, all of that. And you get in the middle yellow cow. I call this the oblong of lies. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, whoever did it should uh, get in the sea. That's this week's person. We should have a little, a little recorded. I'm going to start recording, pre-recording things. And it's like, a, like, a, like a, this week, who should get in the sea? The author we'll, we'll of that a, We'll thing. edit it. Uh, we, 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 yeah, we edited it in there. Yes. Who should get in the sea? These people, these people. The people in the oblong of lies should get in the sea. Let's, let's take, take a, a break. Let's take a break. Welcome back to Everything Hurts. Um, now, James, what's what's the most hipster thing you've seen in Boston or in your travels around the US? Surely there oh, must the, be some the the most the most hipster thing. Mm. Wow, that's a really difficult question. Um, I think um, I think an artwork in a cafe. It was one of the single worst paintings I've ever seen in my life. It's one of those places, a fancy oh, it's a place in the middle of nowhere in Massachusetts, and there's an artwork on the wall 
uh, you know how sometimes they turn a cafe into a, into an art gallery. Yeah. And I, I, I think I should have taken a photo of this if I didn't. I don't even know if I did. But it was one of the single worst pieces of art I've ever seen in my life. Is it, you know when it's not even when people are deliberately trying to make something look bad. It's just obviously utterly bereft of of craft. <laughs> okay. And there's also it also doesn't have a point. It's not like Manzoni putting his own shit in a can. It, there's no there's no point at the end of it. It was just it was just shit. It was very obvious that it was just shit. And I'm looking at this and thinking, this must be like the person who owns this place must be uh, either trying to support an artist who's thoroughly delusional, or is maybe it's their you know their niece or their godson or something. I, I don't know. Um, and I, the woman at the counter is like, I was just looking at the art out of the back, fully expecting it to go. <laughs> yeah, um, generally we don't nail garbage to the walls, but the owner <laughs> wanted to it, and this woman went. I know, it's not amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, no, it's fucking not. You're lucky the coffee's good. <laughs> so I don't know I don't know if that qualifies because um I don't meet many people with um who who are completely coloured in with the face looking like they were rolled up in a tackle box. I meet too many normal looking people these days, I suppose. Hmm. Boston is not particularly beset with hipsters in general. And um, a lot of my traveling's been up and down bits of the East Coast that haven't included some of the majorest bits of the big cities. Mm. I haven't been to any of the, the, the really annoyingly hipster places in New York. I'm going to San Francisco in a couple of weeks, so ask me after that. We'll have to get back to that. You know how hardcore some hipsters can be? You've got uh, deconstructed coffee in Melbourne. You've got some hipsters using Nokia 3110s just for the sake of it. And I read a story last year about Bonneville who was having a listening party in a Melbourne laneway, of all places. But, of course, they had to use a cassette tape in a boombox just for the effect. And much of this comes down to this idea that it's a more authentic experience. Now, one thing I've noticed uh, creeping into academia is this idea that there is actually academic hipsters as well. It's this idea that you should be using command line on Linux... Uh, using R or Python for your analysis and using LaTeX for writing your manuscripts. And in this Mm. scenario, the worst thing that you can do is use a Mac, use SPSS for your analysis and write your manuscript in Word. It's quite Mm -hmm. a... Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a situation. So I just wanted to pick your brain for a bit is this something that you've come across this idea that people yeah, like, of course. yeah yeah but in what way yeah. have you in what way have you come across this idea of, of academic hipsterism um i got shit a few times for like problems that I'm, I'm solving by myself i got shit for writing in matlab a few times that's just what i for started. writing in matlab as opposed to what yeah. oh something else pi probably yeah um it's look software so I, I look software developers have a component attitude that i think is not hipsterism at all it's the fact that there are better and worse tools for solving particular tasks and that you need to at any given point in time have a repertoire of them and you can go and solve a problem for someone and it can be solved in the wrong way or in a way that's actually annoying and then you acquire very strong likes and dislikes for uh how languages between platforms fit together, how things are organized, uh, and the kind of people who 
uh, like or don't like how uh, all of this stuff is uh, interconnected and intercommunicated. So, look, I don't have a strong emotional relationship to any of these things. I'd like to be better at... I mean, I would like to switch entirely to Pi. Why don't I? Because it would take a lot of time that I don't have. Um, the support is largely community-based. That's good. I want to meet people who are solving the same tasks as me. I don't have time. Um, does everything need to be written in fancy markup? Does it help? Well, maybe not. It depends on the journal. It depends on the... Is there a compelling case for it? Ugh. Look, every single one of these things, all these tools are built in the first place to solve a problem and have an efficiency. Yes? Mm. Once it starts becoming a component of an identity, there's a thing that's supposed to mean something outside of what it is, then I think you're getting off on yourself. They're all tools for solving problems. If something will do... Yeah? I mean, don't go full sunk cost fallacy on it. Oh, I thought I've got it all programmed in Excel. I know how it works. Excel is a piece of shit and you know it. And there's nothing you can do. I mean, <laughs> if you're doing even the most basic uh, the basic analysis of raw data in anything vaguely biological, it's totally inappropriate. It just won't load. I had a file um, I'm working on right now. This is every uh, every file, there's an, there's an EDF file. Is is a is a like someone's given me CSV export, so it's just a big bag of raw crap. Yes. Mm, mm. Okay, it's a matrix that is six by eight million. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, Excel that's that's no Excel. Chance. That's a, that's Excel gone. Right. And that's not a particular. That's not an all day file or, or anything like that. That's not a recording from uh, twenty four hours. It's just a, it's reasonably small. It just has a very high sampling rate. Mm. So, look. Anything you can use to solve a problem is good. A lot of the time, people trend away from investing time in new skills in order to be able to save time in the future. People don't think of these things as an investment. They just do what's most available. Mm. Some people, you get more and more senior. I can understand the fact that you have less and less and less time. And what you sincerely hope is that you can employ someone who's got better skills than yeah. you. Yeah, but, the, but then if they, if they mess up, you, you don't put them on the paper and just blame them anyway. You prick. Um, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Cut them off their own work and then blame them yeah. when it goes wrong. Yeah, Ul- ultimate Look, ultimate punishment. What's the so what's the what 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 are all the what are all the fancy kids doing? What's is it? What's what's the argument? Is the argument like it's just better out of context? Look, the argument is uh, well, I think that's, I think that's a that's a crap argument, but. What the what a good argument, and what some people are saying is, well, it actually these things are better for reproducible science, which I agree. So if you're if you're doing uh, if you're doing your paper in in um, R Markdown and doing it with an R, then you can actually transfer the the uh, the output straight into your paper. Um, you need to make some changes. You can sort of yeah, it's much more re- reproducible, and I get that. Um, same thing with, um, and then it, it gives you more more control, more granularity when you're actually writing your papers. I saw a thing that LaTeX is great because you can actually control every single pixel on every single page. But the thing is, it is bloody hard to use. <laughs> I I tried using it for a paper, 
it is so frustrating uh you know just putting a table in um you know doing doing the simplest things i just want to write the thing and i had to spend half the time actually googling how to put a table in how to center it um yeah maybe it'll be good in the future um and and here's the second problem if one of your collaborators doesn't know how to use it then then he he can't use it because everyone has to this is why this is why web-based platforms are so good this is why I'm quite bullish on um, Authoria. Yeah, yes. And I, I do like it because what it does is Authoria uses the reproducible back end, yeah, because it's built on GitHub. But the front mm-hmm. end, you can send a link to Oldie McAlderton who, you know, just knows how to turn on a computer and they can start writing and it does all the heavy lifting on the back end. Brilliant. Super yep. good. Huge fan. Yeah. Um, um, I've have... I've not even announced this is this is how how well it's starting to work i mean there's obviously they're improving it all the time it's much better than it was when it came out when it uh, was released a few years ago um there were a few i i couldn't for the life of me get the referencing to work but they seem to have fixed that somehow um i have sent papers to oldie McAlderson. you really are that's that's age racist you're an age racist um i've sent papers to people and not announced that I was sending it. It's like, no, I know this might be slightly <laughs> unusable for you, but there's a, there's a service you should be aware of. I haven't even done that. I've just gone, here's the paper, and it's on that platform, and not said anything about it. And the people I sent the paper to have gone, oh, cool, and just started using it. What a great ad when for you it. Could, when you can do that, see, now you're going, oh, this is the, there's a right platform. Uh, yeah, now there is a right platform because it's very obviously the easiest. It's like seeing a kid pick up an iPhone and just swiping away when it's like three months old. It's just It just works and people know how to intuitively use it. And I think that's fantastic. Um, but you know, but, but yeah. This- so you know, the, the, oh, it's you don't you don't get so much control until you get to the fine grain X Y Z. This is important. That's important. I don't care. I had shit to do. It- I, was, I we don't have. I don't have time to do the stuff I have time to do. And you, you know, you can't claim that other people's skills are illegitimate because they aren't aesthetically pleasing to you. Yeah, and it's. I actually noticed we had a, we had a, we had a lab retreat. Um, last month and um, everyone had to share a bit about their research and their skill set and um, you know all the all the postdocs popped up and were talking about their thing and like yeah yeah you know do analysis and R R this R that um, and then we're having conversations with some of the junior PhDs people who have just come from masters or undergraduate and they were like man I almost feel like I'm out of the club I have no idea how to use R. All I know how to do is SPSS, and it kind of feels like I just have to have to learn it, just because that's what everyone else is doing. And then I'm like, well, yeah, you have, learn it because not because it's better, not because you should. And you know, I have another student who uh, she's quite comfortable with SPSS, and for the things she needs to do, SPSS will do the job. And she's like, well, should I use R to finish my thesis, which is due in two months? And I'm like. No, no, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm like, do you think in SPSS? <laughs> um, you know, um, it, it's 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 literally like you know correlations and and a few repeated measures of anivers and you know very very straightforward stuff. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not worth using R um, when you're already comfortable with SPSS. Now, if you're continually doing analyses and want to re- reproduce stuff, um, then yeah, it's worth it in the long run. But um, learning it just because everyone else is doing it or it seems like the thing to be done. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I mean, you, you do see a bit of snootiness online, you know. Oh, oh, SPSS plot, and I admit, um, when I see an SPSS plot in the manuscripts that I review, I have to stop myself from going, "Oh, these guys, what are they doing?" Um, and yeah, same, it's, look, that is, you, you, there, there isn't. It, it's when it switches over to. Uh, I happen to think that the graphs I use, you know, I use Prism for making graphs. Because it's not, it's not command line, James. What are you, what are you doing? Don't, if I could reach out through the internet and <laughs> slap you, I would. Oh, I like Prism. I, I've used it in the past. It's it's handy. Prism makes gorgeous, chunky, uh, well well populated graphs. It has an awful lot of functionality. You can make it. the The support on it is excellent. It's also very clear about what it can't do. Um, the vast majority of the time, I use it primarily for making figures. You can do analysis in it, but you also look at some point analysis. It's particularly simple. Um, it shouldn't even be, you, you'll get to a certain point where you go, Oh, I've got to do, I've got to do, uh, I've got to do a, a T test or an anova or something like that. And you can sort of, you can follow the steps through in your, your head mm. after a while. And it's not like painful or problematic. And at that point, it straight up doesn't matter. Oh, if I've got Excel open because someone sent me an Excel file and someone goes, oh, what do you think the difference between those things is? Oh, fucking, I don't even know the syntax in Excel. I just, just do it. pop the thing out. One mean minus the other mean over great big square root on and on and on. Easy. But it just depends on how familiar you are with stuff. Look, SPSS, is the reason people hate it is because there's lots of component problems. It encourages uh, fuckersizing around because of the structure of how it's put together. It is an endemic, it is symptomatic of a lot of problems. Um, but that's only, it makes perfectly, if you gave me a copy and said, do this procedure, I'd figure it out soon enough. I mean, it's got options for everything. Um, but yeah, the graphs are desperately ugly. <laughs> it's not the hardest thing for them to fix, but they're not doing it. Yeah, I know, but they, they, don't, they don't give a fuck. It's also, I also get the idea that you don't want to give money to a company that is who's primarily selling educational products when education is already so expensive and they all pursue different anti-competitive things like going to the whole university trying to lock everyone in to use the same software it's not like they want to give you any options you know what i mean i, I remember during so, my undergrad it, it was um the only option it was too expensive for me to, to buy so if I had to do SPSS analysis I had to go into the computer lab you know and there, there was literally a line yet you almost had to put a schedule in to go to the computer lab for the computers that happen to have an SPSS license to actually oh, do the God. thing it's ridiculous right. whereas now yeah see that's just I mean I know you were an undergraduate in the mid 80s or something but it's <laughs> Same obviously you. very what when, when were you an undergrad um mid 70s um <laughs> <laughs> We probably like started it. the same time. I, st- I started uh, 2003. When did you start your undergrad? 2000. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I know, I'm just I'm just giving you shit. You know that. Stop being difficult. Um, look, the point is, it's a, very di- it's a very different world now. If you have to teach this stuff from scratch... Um, I like it when the the use of a specific tool is chosen carefully and worked into a curriculum. Do you know what I mean? Mm. 
if you had this, I don't think I don't see a problem with, especially when it comes to like R, R and Python are probably the big ones because they've got huge communities of people who are all mutually solving problems with them. They've got lots of people working on stable packages for doing X, Y, Z. So it's a community-centered thing. And when it's finally big enough that you can add to that, if you can just get someone who will put that as a like a man if it's going to be a mandated part of the educative process then you know that's when the real tipping point of shit is is gonna is gonna start and i believe it's happening and i'm seeing a lot more people a lot more stats lecturers are now choosing because originally a lot of people thought i'm not going to do it because the undergrads are going to hate using scripts and then people are like, well, I'm just going to give it a go. And the reports mm. back are like, people actually don't mind. They don't mind at all. And all this yeah, fear well, of... Yeah, it depends, well, it depends on your, your course, obviously. You're but, doing something like uh, life, life sciences, an in- introduction to the life sciences, and you get huge swathes of the undergraduate population all the way from sort of, you know, nuclear physics to fine arts or some shit yeah we're, 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 a science major you've got a broad spectrum of people who have to master a technical skill i could see some pushback but yeah the, the pushback hasn't been as bad as, as people feared but once more people are actually teaching r um, or using alternatives like jasp uh, and there's a there's a new alternative as well called jamovi i'll do a link to that which apparently Fucking people, what when? It's it, there's a new there's a new one which can is, you say it? Can you say it again? Jamovi, I I think that's what it's called. J A M O V I. Now this is actually made by the same people that started developing Jasp, but they've gone on to do their other thing. So it looks when I open it up, I'm like they've ripped off Jasp, but it's because it's the same. De- <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. Yeah. It's the same developers. It's, um, it's self plagiarism. Yeah, yeah. Um, so ch- check it out, and um, yeah, it, s- same sort of features. Um, so Jasp is doing their thing, and Jamovi is doing their other thing. Um, Jasp's pe- just been updated. Actually, you should go yes. and update your Jasp. I saw that. I saw that. Um, yeah. So once people start teaching these things, and uh, I think the reason that um, undergrads come into um, graduate programs thinking I don't only know SPSS is because that's all they're taught. But then you almost have to reteach yourself reproducible statistics once you're in a graduate program. But why not teach it from the very beginning? But yeah, I mean, I think with the, for the whole academic hip, hipsterism thing, there's, there is a bit of a conflict. Like even my, I have to stop myself when I'm reviewing a paper and I see, oh, they did their meta-analysis and comprehensive meta-analysis. Ugh. And I'm like, you know, shut up. Like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a stupid. real like, specific... That's a real specific That's a very specific... Dan. No yeah. one else who does your particular brand of fraudulent shit shoveling <laughs> is probably thinking that. Every, every, no, I've, I've had the same conversation with other people who do meta-analysis and they've actually n- noticed the same thing. But you can do adjust a good... <laughs> James is not agreeing, but um, it is it is the truth. But you can do good quality analysis regardless. So, yeah, but... Um, can you indeed? Do the thing... Do the thing that works best for you. Forget what other people are doing if uh, your process works well, but just don't Look, do it. If you're under if you're under if you're under time pressure and you've got to hit a, an outline or a deadline, you know, it needs to be complete by a date. If you've got a hard deadline, just meet it. Don't fuss about whether or not it's the right way. Um, if it's not that situation, think very hard about whether or not uh 
half skill investment and then doing it faster is a, a better solution than doing it slower the way you already know. But, you know, if it's not, then, you know, look, I think you should always err on the side of skill development. So shit, move, move between things. If you have the, if you have the facility to add more stuff to the toolkit. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if it's something that's well supported. It's a matter of, oh, you've got to do this thing and it's in R and you don't use R. Well, an awful lot of people do. You'll end up having different conversations. You'll be part of a different community. You'll have different kinds of problems to solve. So it's probably worth doing. But never put anything like this on a pedestal. You know? Yeah. It's that, that, that tools. You don't have to be one too. <laughs> on that note, we will wrap up the episode uh thank you for your support on twitter we've had uh more great feedback on our uh two episode series on work-life balance so thank you to everyone uh particular shout out to yeah it's a rash i got a rash of shit uh, coming out of the back of that um yeah you can all do the fucking um you can twat at me now too if you want I don't mind. I'll, I'll, I'll twat back. He, 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 we'll, all he be, will. we'll all be mates. <laughs> so thanks for, your, thanks for your feedback and for your support for those, uh, for those two episodes. And uh, we might revisit it uh, another time in the future. But remember, you can um, follow us on Twitter. Now, now you can follow James or, or even myself um, at Hertz Podcast. Uh, we also have a Facebook page as well. Uh, so if you have any episode requests or any feedback, uh, you can send us a message on, on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, but most importantly, uh, keep we've had a few more reviews on um, on iTunes, but keep them coming in. Um, we would we would love good that. ones. I mean, if you don't like us, you can fuck <laughs> off. Just the good ones. So you can put that Just on, the good ones. On, on, on iTunes or whatever uh, podcast service you use. I know on uh, Overcast, um, our second most popular uh, way of people listening is actually Overcast. Um, and mm. I have that data. So, on Overcast, you can actually favorite an episode. So, if you favorite our episodes when other people are searching for science and medicine podcasts, that will actually come up higher in their searches. So, make sure if you're loving episodes, favorite it on Overcast or or whatever podcast platform that you use. I think that's all for today. Yeah, it should have some kind of NPR announcement. This episode was brought to you by... Um, this episode was brought to you by close to a liter of really excellent Guatemalan coffee. Ta-da! Yeah. We're never going to be an NPR, are we? Never. Bye. (laughs) See you later.